welcome. I'm Joe. And I'm Roddy. And you've joined us for Stage Door. We have a fantastic hour for you talking all things theatre, film and arts, including Lifting the Curtain, giving you the inside info of all that's going on nationally, locally and digitally. Yep, we're snooping around backstage to bring you the news and the gossip. And then, of course, we'll highlight our pick of the week. You can join us and take part in Name That Show, where we ask you to guess the musical from three brief clips of songs. Then there's our quick quiz where I literally never know what Joe's going to ask me. And I <laughs> Not... love every moment. <laughs> I think got the foggiest. <laughs> Later on the show, don't miss Out of the Vault, where we share the plot from a show that you might not have heard of. Then don't miss our spotlight interview with Joe Houghton. Woo! And that's <laughs> Just all... you. Woo-hoo! Yep, that's me. And that's all coming before midday here on Stage Door. <laughs> Live across the Thames Valley, this is River Radio. There we are. Oh, I thought I ought to join in with the whooping there. Yeah, I think that's nice. I have known him about all oh, years. Have you? How many? Yeah. How oh. many? Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think Autumn's here. Yes. I mean, you're I, wearing some fabulous knitwear. I can't believe I have, like, yeah, a jumper on today. This it's, is my favourite, though, the crisp sun. Yeah. How do you feel about the temperature? It, it's a little bit... I mean, I do, you know, prefer this over summer, but spring is my favourite season. Oh, so spring's your favourite. Yeah. I go autumn every time. Do you? The yeah. colours, granted the low sun. I haven't mm. driven as much as I'm driving this year, and it's a bit in your eyes, but it is lo- lovely when it's cascading across fields, particularly as uh, people who live in the Thames Valley will know all around this train line, yeah. you know, around Maidenhead and Marlow. Um, the way that the Great Western Railway is situated means that on any of those platforms, you've just got light. You're bathed in the golden hour. That's gorgeous. And I do like it. I don't mind it being a little bit chilly if the sun is shining. You'd go for a couple more degrees, would you? Um, no, I'm okay. This is okay. Okay. You're content. But I was cold last night, I must say. Oh, were you? Yeah, in bed, yeah. It was very, very cold. I, for the first time, have been able to close my door at night, which right. is, which is, it's been unusually hot for quite a long time. Yes, it's it humid, has. isn't it? Yeah. And um, because normally I like to keep a window cranked just to sort of let some fresh Ooh. air in, but increasingly the rain is coming in as well. Oh, which I hello. Don't want. I know. And can you? I don't know if you can tell, but I do have a little bit of a cold. I did notice you've got a bit of a bugged up. Dude. I do. Yeah. And my <laughs> voice is a little bit lower than usual. Yes, <laughs> I've got a little bit of a scratchy throat. Have actually. you? Yeah. Mm, it's the time of the year for it. It is. It is. We You've been planning for a while to talk about vocal health. Should we just dive into some of the things you're going to do to try and stave off your stave off your cold? Um, we could. Well, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm really good at, at preaching to everybody else and not doing it myself, I must say. I wondered if that face but, was largely medicated with gin. <laughs> um, or coffee, one of the two. Um, but obviously, you know, it's good to stay away from dairy because it creates mucus and you want, you know, to get rid of that. Lovely. Thanks for my latte. <laughs> you're welcome. And and um, manuka honey is obviously really, really good for the throat. Um, so those those two things. I tend you know, to dose pineapple up on juice as well. C. I tend to start dosing oh, up on vitamin that, C. That's a set. That's a given. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just for people who are like, oh, what do performers do? Oh no, got to do that. C. There's some kind of weird green powder that's supposed to help your immune mm-hmm. system as well. That quite a lot of people swear by. It's sort of come over from LA and Hollywood. I can't remember what it's called. It looks deeply odd to me. Like a sort of very expensive manuka version of a protein shake. Okay, well there there is a, a you know magic Chinese formula medicine thing that that you get if you're really in trouble and you've got to perform. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you not know that one? No, I haven't seen a bit of that. Uh, I go nowhere near any of those throat anaesthetising sweets like uh, small pastels. Yeah, Um, There are some of those which are absolutely hideous. And I drink a lot more water. 
Actually. Well, that is really helpful. Right. Room temperature is the best. Yes. Yep. Cold is lovely if you've been exercising in the gym, but if you need your voice to be well soothed, you want room temperature water. That's fantastic. This isn't just water. <laughs> Should we go on to the Name That Show? Name That Show. Oh. It's only a little bit. Ah. So, should we do it again? Because yep. I think everybody might have missed that one. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll let it go for four bars this time, shall we, as instructed? <laughs> <laughs> and was... I want to sing the opening lyric. Yeah, I'm sure you do. I'm yeah. sure you do. So, if you know what show that song comes from, please email in at joe at river.radio or roddy at river.radio and let us know what you think it is. We've got a leaderboard. We want to put you up there if you especially can guess it from the first clip. That yeah. is mega stuff. Kudos if you get it from clip Absolutely. one. Right, so that's name that show. Now let's find out who the heck we are and why we're here. <laughs> there are people Roddy that um, are new to Stage Door and don't know what you and I are about and who we are Um, so it is good to kind of remind people because sometimes we bring up really weird things at this point (laughs) (laughs) you know rather than actually we have been in the industry are in the industry and have been for a long time me longer than you because thank you i was going to say some longer than others and then realized it sounded rude that way yeah no I, i will put my hand up and say that i'm much older than you that's absolutely fine um But, yeah, so I thought we could talk today about um, teachers as we were sort of growing up that sort Mm. of really influenced and inspired us to do what we're doing now. How to go into performing arts. Yeah. Uh, There was certainly, I started going aged five to Lambda classes. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm sure some of your, uh, some of your, some of our listeners will know what that is. Um, London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art, which is a very famous London drama school, runs a program of examinations. It very cleverly has noticed that if it does that, it can uh, make quite a lot of money on the side to support its training. And um, but the examinations in themselves have quite a lot of merit. They're good for building confidence and articulation in young people. And I started going to those classes very young, only to discover that they were, in fact, I only discovered this many years later essentially Victorian elocution lessons oh yeah I found my exercise book and the first thing in it is Pa drives a Jaguar and he drives it rather fast very uh, nice which is to stop me saying fast which the rest of my family do because they're from Mm. um, the north so um, yes I really enjoyed those classes though I mean as much as they were essentially stand and deliver a poem or a piece of text I built a lot of confidence up from going to see Mrs Ellis yeah I was going to say who was the person Mrs Ellis she um, is very fond of me calling her Iris now that she's retired, but oh. I can't really call her Iris. She's Mrs. Ellis. She'll always be Mrs. E. Um, and she was great. She was really um, very sort of um, correct. Every- mm-hmm. And she still now, you know, there's no, she goes home and she turns off the diction. It is always on. And I always knew when my parents wow. had answered the phone to her. Because she'd pick it up, they'd pick it up to, uh, and the telephone number is as they read it out, ra- uh, read it out loud, <laughs> which is amazing. So she certainly 
um, kick-started it, triggered my love of it. Mm. Uh, Although when I was first entered into a class to do with actually acting, I hated it. I didn't want to do any acting. I just wanted to say a poem and hide behind words as uh, as a piece of presentation. Because that's where your comfort was. Yeah, and then I did all right at a festival and decided I quite like trophies, so thanks very much. (laughs) I mean, there's only two people in my class, but I still decided, "Mm, yeah, okay, I'll give this a go. Um, And then I suppose right the way through to other drama teachers, Anmal Rain, David Biddle, who were both great as I grew up. At school, I had some brilliant drama teachers, Jill Othan, Sheila Wolfe, Viv Duckers were all instrumental, um, Peter Rippon. And then at drama school, probably my most... um, uh, treasured teacher and there were many of them and I learnt a lot from all of them Toby Hulse for improv and clowning but uh, John Hartock um, who's just a wonderful inspirational character who taught me so much about particularly text and um, all the sort of nuts and bolts of acting as a craft Well I'm a little bit concerned because you've just name <laughs> dropped all these people and I being a little bit older It begins with S Is that, what, <laughs> is that where we're at? Oh, my word. You know, I can't, I'm not going to be able to, to name everybody that has influenced me. I started very, very young and had an amazing teacher called uh, Russian um, pianist woman uh, called Clara Shri- I can't even say it, <laughs> Shripskenskov or something like that. I can't even get my ma- mouth around it. Um, but really, the, per- the main person was um, my high school music um, teacher called Lorna Hall. And she was very, very talented, but she also, being this kind of like solid uh, Aussie woman was mm. she, she didn't like hold anything back so if she wasn't impressed with me she certainly let me know you knew about um, it. yeah so if I wasn't delivering the quality of performance that I should be doing she would you know go what, what the hell are you doing love you know you play bar- Beethoven like a barmaid you do <laughs> you know, like, it, yeah and it's been great I mean Facebook has been fantastic because I've been able to get in contact with her and tell yes. her you know where I where I am now which is brilliant but I also had um, at university um, a particular gentleman who was so encouraging and so um, he sort of drove me a little bit, sort of pushed me in, into what I was doing. And it's Dr. Paul Rickard Ford, who was an English um, person, but he's now at the Sydney Conservatoire heading it up over there. And he was very, I don't know, it was just nice to have somebody believe in you and, uh, you know, I try and see him every time I go back to Australia now as well. Nice. Just to say thanks, yeah. I think that's true of all walks of life with a teacher or a tutor is somebody mm. who believes in you. Is mm. it, It's the confidence. Confidence builds a lot. And so if somebody goes, you, with me, it's really uplifting, yeah, isn't it? Absolutely. Oh, nice to celebrate our teachers. Yeah, I think thank you guys. A theme that might come back in our Spotlight interview, perhaps. <laughs> right, let's <laughs> lift the curtain. What's going on? So Let's much, have a rifle around. So much. Okay, so a few little things. A um, little bit of gossip, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, it's not, you know, it's just news. Uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's announced that Cinderella plans for Broadway in 2022. Oh, really? So that's really exciting. So obviously he's really happy with um, everything that is going on with the show. I have not seen it yet. Have you? No, I haven't. No. He does love a double open. He loves having things on in both New York and London at the same time. Yeah. And I'm glad that he's, you know, he's opened it here first. So that's oh, brilliant. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, so we must have an interview with Leah Harris, who was in the cast yes. as well. You know, one of our jam theatre teachers. Um 
Other news, Stephen Mangan will play Scrooge in A Christmas Carol at the Old Vic. Yes, I saw that. I mean, it would be interesting if the Old Vic uh, found a different Christmas show to do at some point in (laughs) the 21st century. But it's a great story. I've seen that particular production. It's brilliant. And actually, I'd really like to see him. Yes. Um, I think he's excellent. I saw him in the birthday party and he had, he was... He has a, a very magnetic watchability. Fantastic. Um, and Juliet yep. extends its show to June 2022. Still not been, I need to go. Okay, I think you'll enjoy it. Um, and that's at the Shaftesbury Theatre with Miriam Teakley, who has won so many awards being the lead. Cassidy Jansen, who's one of my favourite West End performers. Wow. And Oliver Tomsett. Um, and so it extends to June 2022 20, uh, and Juliet. Um Go and get your tickets for that. Um, Back to the Future extends already. Now, it's only just open. It's extending now to July 2022. That is impressive. That is really good, isn't it? And did you know that Netflix, this is a bit different, Netflix has acquired Roald Dahl's story company? Yes, I did see that. Yeah. Yeah. And will produce stage shows. Um, So they've got an upcoming movie of Matilda starring Emma Thompson. Um, They've got, there's a rumour of a TV series of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Okay. Um, plus, uh, Timothy Chalamet and Olivia Colman are rumoured to be involved in a Wonka prequel musical film. Yeah. I'm really intrigued to see which way that goes. Mm. And, you know, I, I love Roald Dahl so much. And actually, some of the things that have happened theatrically and in other performance um, arenas in the last few years have made me go, oh, that didn't quite live up to the hype I mm. wanted. And I think there's a little bit of... It's hard to know whether it's estate holding on to stuff or mixing with the wrong creatives. So it'll yeah. be very inter- interesting to see whether... If this is going to work. Yeah, whether yeah. it's going to work. Because they have... Been very fussy as to who deals with their stuff. Yeah. Uh, another announcement: uh, War of the Worlds musical version um, is having a tour in 2022. Have you ever seen War of the Worlds? Is this the immersive one? No. Or is this no. this is a musical this is a one? Musical. No, I don't know that. Yeah. So it's going to be long, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's quite a lot to get in. We had a major celebration, birthday celebration in the West End this week. What show has been 15 years in the West End? 15, right. So I was excited about Matilda hitting 10. What's been there? 15. What's been there? Sli- don't know. Go on. Wicked. Is it? Yes, it's celebrated its 15th birthday. Gosh, I thought it'd been there longer than that. Yeah, so that's wonderful, isn't it? So um, got a few friends in the cast. So congratulations, all the cast of Wicked. And um, just long may it continue, which is fantastic. Birthday cake for them. Yep. Um, Will Smith is coming to London uh, for a one-night-only evening of stories with friends. Right. And is that sold out? Can we um, go? I'm not sure if it's sold out, but no, it's not, because the tickets aren't on sale yet. There we go, if I read my notes. <laughs> it's um, at the Savoy on the 18th of November, and obviously Will Smith, we're talking about, you know, French... Um, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Men in Black, Aladdin, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Really great actor, and he's very open about his life as well. So, um, you know, he's taken lots of interesting turns. The tickets actually go on sale at 3pm on the 1st of October. Oh, wow. So that will go really, really quickly. But I think it's going to be a really great night, actually. I think um, it'll be really quite interesting. Well, he's quite a remarkable person. I watched uh, Men in Black 4 the other day. And? I missed Will Smith. Because okay. it's the first one he's not been in. Oh. Emma Thompson, still fantastic. Actually, a really good dynamic between the two leads. Just, it feels like it's not quite Men in Black without Will Smith. Yeah. Okay, I get that. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the old Vic earlier. Uh, can I just jump in? Because Camp Siegfried by Best World is there. Okay. I don't know whether that's on your, your list over there. But it's, um, 
it's an it's a wartime piece. I really I love the old Vic. If you've never been, it's right by Waterloo. It's not that mm. difficult to get to from the Thames Valley. They've got from the seventh of September to the thirtieth of October this Camp Siegfried, which is inspired by the real Camp Siegfried, which operated on New York's Long Island in the thirties. Mm. So the world's on the brink of Second World War, and it's a boy meets girl story at a cu- summer camp exclusively for American youth of German descent. Mm. Um, so it's starring Patsy Ferran and Luke Thallon. It's a world premiere. It's already received a new play award so I'm very intrigued to see what that is because of course when something's new but it's been read in literary rooms and is already highly prized but hasn't been staged yet no one really knows what they're dealing with but if the script's good and it's being done by such a solid institution as the old Vic I think that might be really remarkable. Absolutely just also I've got something for the young Vic. Oh yeah now you know just down the road <laughs> you know that um they've had sold out productions of Hamlet coming up um with Cush um Jumbo. Oh, yeah. And Adrian Dunbar. Um, they're doing four performances. They're actually going to film it and stream it, which is really great because you can't get tickets anymore. Uh, it's the 28th to the 30th of October. They're having an immersive multi-camera player um, that allows audiences to pick the camera angle. Oh, clever. Very, I like that. Very clever. That's as close, really, as you can get to being actually there and choosing where you're looking because otherwise oh. there's always that frustration that you can't select. It's pre-edited. Yeah, so that's The Young Vic. Um, so head to their website um, and that's for Hamlet, 28th to the 30th of October. Now, what's the name of that music hall that I'm obsessed with, please, Joe? Is it starts with W? Um, <laughs> oh, the tables are turned. Uh, Do I get a bonus point in the uh, quiz if you don't get this? Something like Winston or oh, close Wilton's. 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 Okay, they've got something called Horse Country, which even the photo is making me laugh. It's a couple of clowns shooting the breeze, drinking bourbon, and playing cards. Right, um, and so they there's a lot. It looks like it's a complete rambling, hilarious sort of riff through magic and um, nods to waiting for Godot. I think it's almost certain surreal and anarchic so that looks quite fun that's the 28th of September to the 2nd of October at Wilton's Music Hall and also a theatre that popped up in my mind as I walked past it the other day that we haven't mentioned in London is the Soho I think we might have uh, crossed it at some stage before but um, just as we get quite a lot of things coming to the Thames Valley we get some lovely sort of preview shows of Mm. things um, like Norden Farm I think has had some of those and Mm -hmm. so does the Swan in Wickham Um, but uh, the Soho is quite often a breed ground um, for new talent as well as a test out area for existing talent so Jimmy Carr's got a show coming up there Harry Hill has and Stefan Kitsch uh, which um, absolute sort of diehard fans will be well aware of and if you're not uh, you soon will be once you've seen them Daro Breen's doing a show there so if you fancy a sort of short night out if you haven't got two and a half hours to spend at the theatre and you want to do an hour-long show you know you've put the kids to bed you're looking forward to gin and tonic and you can still get back to relieve the babysitter the Soho be a good place to go it is, and a lot of those comedians are also coming to uh, Wickham Swan and Reading, yeah. Mexican as well. Brilliant. Yeah. Should we have a break for some music and Let's then uh, see, what else, see what else is going on? There are giants in the sky. There are big, tall, terrible giants in the sky. When you weigh up high and you look below at the world you've left And I think you know little more than a glance is enough to show you just how small you are When you weigh up high and you're on your own in a world like none that you've ever known The sky is left and the earth is stone, you're free to do whatever pleases you Exploring things you never dare cause you don't care when suddenly there's a big tall terrible giant at the door 
giants. A big, tall, terrible lady giant sweeping the floor. And she gives you food, and she gives you rest, and she draws you close to a giant breast, and you know things now that you never knew before. Not to the sky. Only just when you made a friend and all, and you know she's big, but you don't feel small. Someone bigger than her comes along the hall to swallow you for lunch. And your heart is lead, and your stomach stone, and you're really scared being all alone. And it's then that you miss all the things you've known in the world you've left, and they're little, you're only fun. It's done. You steal what you can and run, and you scramble down, and you live below in the world you know begins to grow. The roof, the house, and your mother. In the world you never thought to explore, and you think all of the things you've seen, and you wish that you could live in between, and you're back again, only different than before. After the sky, there are giants in the sky. There are big, tall, terrible, awesome, scary. Giants in the sky, and that, of course, was Giants in the Sky from Stephen Sondheim. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Stephen Sondheim's Uh-oh. Into the Woods. Into the Woods. It's my favourite song from that musical. I don't know whether I was going to go Into the Woods by Stephen Sondheim, and I just got a little bit confused there. But let's blame that on my cold, shall we? <laughs> yeah, good idea. <laughs> this is River Radio. You can listen on our website, River Radio, on our mobile app for Apple and Android. And you can even tell Alexa, play River Radio Live. I love the fact that we are on Spotify as well. So check that out because that's how I've been listening to some of the other yeah, programs. It's what, yeah, it's exactly what I'm doing. And sometimes when I listen back to see how many of the boobs we've made that are actually detectable, I'm like, ah, yeah, huh. great. That sounds good on Spotify. And also, if you're listening again, mm. please do feel free to email us. I mean, we had a little whoopy cartwheelie moment a few weeks ago when somebody emailed us the answer to name that show at about 11 o'clock at night. We were like, oh, yeah. someone's listened again. And it would be lovely to hear what you think of some of the shows. If we've just praised something or trashed it and you actually think the opposite or you're, you're agreeing or you've seen something hot let us know yeah we're more than happy to actually even interview you and you know hear what's going on i can't speak (laughs) well whilst you have a little dribble over there should we do do our pick so what do we got roddy (laughs) do you have a tuxedo to hand or a Walther PBK, and Omega, it's not just about the kit. I'm very excited <laughs> about No Time to Die, which has had its premiere at the Royal Albert Hall. This week? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just two Tuesday days ago. Night. Yeah. So that's really exciting. It's the uh, 2021 spy film. It's the 25th in the James Bond series. Woo. It's essentially going to, as the cinemas hope, bring back cinema. Yeah. So just as we've been celebrating the return of theatre in a big way, this feels like a watershed moment for... Um, movie cinemas uh, to reopen back <laughs> up. Um, it's Daniel Craig's fifth and final film. It is. He looks sensational in a deep cherry suede, uh, deep cherry velvet um, tux jacket. Did he wear on that, the red did carpet. he? I thought it looked very good. Yeah, what did, did he wear that? You sound like you're like, really? Did he pull that off? Well, it's... Great. I'm sure. I have not seen it, so I'm trusting your style. 
Yeah, okay. You're uh, going to back me Sartori, yeah. are you? Um, it's, it's written, of course, by Neil Purvis and Robert Wade. I say that because they've written loads of them, some mm. of them better than others. Okay. Um, but please employ me. Uh, but also Phoebe Wallerbridge, which we've talked about before, is That's really right. exciting. I want to play Spot the Phoebe Jokes, um, writer and, of course, star of Fle- Fleabag. Uh, it's catching. Um, <laughs> Leah Sadu's in it. Ben Wishaw returns as Good. Q. Naomi Harris as Money Penny. Jeffrey Wright, who always plays the US yes. operative, who I absolutely love, Felix. Um, Christoph Voltz is back. Uh, Rory Kinnear, who's always um, one of M's sidekicks. Ray Fiennes, who plays M, as well as by the sounds of it, since Judy Dench was there last night, I think there might be some video footage of her Ooh. newly recorded to try and... It feels like it might be the sort of end of a five-part instalment of sure. the Bond films. Yeah. Uh, we haven't seen it yet because we weren't invited to the premiere. No. Um, unlike... Um, such luminaries as Emma Raducanu. I mean, wow, isn't her star in The Ascendant? Yeah. There was royalty there, so they all had to be clapped in first before well, then the cast came I need on to go stage. And watch this, yeah. They've been itching to get this out for years. For years. I mean, it's... Well, there's actually some local people that went to the premiere as well. Really? Yeah, um, the Marlowe Film Project... Um, alongside with Jam Theatre, ran a competition. They had two free tickets to be at the premiere and uh, offered it to local sixth formers in Marlow. And so the schools were invited to, uh, you know, submit uh, why should they be at the red carpet. And unfortunately, I haven't got got the lovely young lady's name who who went, but um, her her plea was very... um, basically based around the fact that she had a it, like a, a prom dress oh, that yeah. she wasn't allowed to <laughs> she wear hasn't worn yet. because of covid and Aww. a lockdown and she would like to wear it on the red carpet please fair play <laughs> oh don't blame yeah. her so i hope she's had a wonderful time the other thing i'm quite excited about of course is that i'm a big fan of billy eilish and that she's yes. recorded the theme tune song yes, which has, has been out for a long time because they hoped so would the film be it's been postponed about eight times yeah uh, music by hans zimmerman which is a first yep. quite interested to see what that's like i have they stopped watching the trailers because okay. I'm worried I'll be able to piece the story together because there's only so many times you well, can watch car chase. And try and get to see it this out. weekend because I'm seeing it this weekend. Right. Yeah. Is this and a, then we can compare. Okay. I wonder, <laughs> worried this was a. I will just start releasing plot spoilers if you. <laughs> I don't want to wait too long. <laughs> so that is very exciting. Absolutely big fans of Bond here. So uh, it's very much James Bond week. Uh, should we do a bit more name that show? Please. <laughs> I think it's time that you and I arranged a heart to heart. Ah. So that's a little um, bit. We might need that again because the mixing there, Roddy, what was going on? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Anyone would think I put the wrong faders down and up, but shh, don't tell anyone. Okay. Okay, right. Here's Name That Show Part 2. I think it's time that you and I arranged a heart to heart. I'll be really surprised if people do not know what this is. I mean, I, as before, the voice has given it away there because not only is that someone I've been doing an impression of since I was about three, yeah. um, I know the character, I can picture it doing the speaking. Mm-hmm. 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 I'd like to play it, please, but so far, no dice. I know. So just give us an impression. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time that you and I arranged a heart to heart. Very nice, very nice. I'd give you the job. Oh, thanks very much. Cool, so let's name that show. Email in joe at river.radio, roddy at river.radio. Tell us what the show is. Not the song, but what show has that come from? We even talked about the composer last week. We in did. The quiz. We yeah. did. Great. Time for the quiz.
right, so I'm back to my normal quiz questions, okay? Right, so All right. there's just five of them. Just five questions. Well researched. Yeah, no, I'm going to get it right this time. Great. Uh, we don't need to bring that up every week. Ready? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, quick quiz, here we go. Question number one. What is a dry tech? Okay. All right. Yeah. These are all quite technical. Oh, right. yeah. What is a dry tech? Question two. Why is it considered bad luck to whistle in a theatre? Yeah. I mean, I know one theory. I'm okay. sure that's what you got there, I hope. Well, I only have one option, though. Okay. Uh, three. Question three. When an actor uses memory from his or own... Oh, I can't speak. When an actor uses memory from his or her own experiences to act at a moment in a scene, what is this called? Right. Yes. Yes, yeah. Stanislavski. Question four. Konstantin Stanislavski and oh. Stanford Meisner are best known as... <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And question five. When an actor gives their name and title of the piece to be performed, this is called... So let's say they're about to film something and they say... Oh, okay. Their name and yeah, the, and the title. Yeah, word for that, don't you? What is yeah. that called? Right. Well, I think I've got, I'm in with a shout. Okay. Well, Certainly I might get four. Hopefully everybody will help you out. Yeah, help me out. Email roddy at river.radio. We've got two minutes to think this through. Help me, team.
Door number three from Waitress. Very nice. I'm glad that put you in a nice sense of a lull because now you've got to find out whether you've got these things right <laughs> oh, or not. Cheers, right? Yeah, back at gunpoint. <laughs> You've got your little sound effect for when you get something right. So have you have. got that ready? Yeah, I have. Because I'm what, assuming you know five. What I don't have is anything if I get it wrong. Am I going to have to start doing ones Ooh, if I... Oh, yeah. Like we, a, uh, uh. we should try that. Great. We should try that. Thanks so much. Um, question one was, what is a dry tech? Um, I confidently just nodded along as you said that because I do know what this is. Mm. Um, I've asked this before, actually, to a guest host, but um, oh. okay, but now the quizzer has turned the quizzy. Um, a dry tech is when you do all of the technicals without any of the actors in situ. That's right. Uh, great. Yeah. Oh, woohoo! Very good. Question two: Why is it considered bad luck to whistle in a theatre? I mean, I don't know that it really is anymore, but mm, the older actors, older oh, really? actors will sometimes, and I say that including actresses as well, um, will sometimes give you a very stern look. look or sometimes mm. I've known performers take people out and have a word with a yeah. With really, somebody. it's mm. a superstition thing. There's a lot of people very mm. superstitious. It's because theoretically that the, the um, sort of long-winded, uh, probably almost certainly apocryphal version is that sailors when they would um, off work and in ports would work in theatres and of course sailors on the rigging on ships had a whole whistle system of codes to pull ropes and so you might get a fly brought in on your head because that tune might be misconstrued as a signal. Yes, that's absolutely right. Signal to start a scene change, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, In in brief. Yeah. Um, uh, When an actor, question three, when an actor uses memory from his or her own experiences to put into a moment that they're acting in a scene, what is this called? I think you've probably got the words emotional recall. I do. Yes, good. Emotional recall. Uh, Four, Constantine Stanislavski and Stanford, I know, just blah, blah, blah. And Stanford Meisner are best known as... Uh, Theatre practitioners. They are. And what does a theatre practitioner mean? Um, It means that they came up with a new way of trying to make acting, not always naturalistic, um, a new way of trying to help the actor with a process um, to create. I mean, depending on when they came up with the idea, it'll either be naturalistic or less so. But Yeah. yeah. Skills and tools to to be a better actor. And then they sort of develop cult status over time. Yeah. One more than the other, I think. Anyway, five. uh, When an actor gives their name and title of the piece that they're about to perform or film or anything like that, what is that called? Slate? Yes, yes. Yeah. So did I give slate. myself a ding for the theatre practitioner? I don't know that you did. Oh, well, just in case Catch not, up. here's another. So I've either got five or six out of five. <laughs> <laughs> this is unheard five of. Five out of five, yeah. It's called slating when you say what, who you are. Hi, my name's, you know, Jay Carter, and I'm about to perform, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, almost as though you've got the clapperboard Absolutely. and you're about doing That's the exactly yeah, take one. Yeah, yeah. Great. Well done, Roddy. Is that your first five out of five in a long time? It is the first time that I've come anywhere near that for a long time. Yeah, I'm very pleased with myself. Good on you. And hopefully, um, you know, some of our listeners have learnt a few things as well. Well, let's hope. Well, look, it's time that we found our way into the vault. Okay. So, if you don't mind, come with me. Yep, I'm coming. Yep. Oh, squeeze in. Yep, fantastic. Right, there we go. Uh, Okay, I've got my room temperature water. Good, well done. Too late. Um, I've just lost my wrist. Uh, But uh, with the other hand, I'll go through the roller. Oh, gosh. What have we got? I. 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 Okay. Just to pass that file over. Okay. Oh, there we go. 
Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Let's talk about a musical called I Love You, You're Perfect, Now Change. Oh. So this is quite an old classic, actually. And uh, we've actually done this um, as a grad show at Jam. And it's really interesting. It's basically... A celebration of mating, <laughs> basically. It's weird. It's weird. Right. But it's a four-hander, two women, two men. Yeah. And probably needs a bit of updating, to be quite frank. Uh, You've got the score here. I do. Are you going <laughs> to sing some of it? No, I'm not. Okay. A celebration of the mating game takes on the truths and myths behind a contemporary conundrum known as the relationship. Act one explores the journey from dating and waiting to love and marriage. And act two reveals the truth and the agonies and the triumphs of you know, in-laws and newborns, trips in the car, arguments, all that kind of stuff. So it is, and until we get to the geriatric old couple at the end, um, it is a really fun show, really talking about, you know, the the first dates or even blind dates or whatever, and all the way through um, the ups and downs of relationships of these, you know, and these four people multi-role all these different scenarios and examples. And it is really, really cool. It's written, the book um, was written by Joe DiPietro, who also wrote All Shook Up, Memphis. Oh. I know. And that's the one that really launched him. Yeah. And most recently, Nice Work If You Can Get It, where he won a Tony Award and a Drama Desk Award. So I Love You Perfect um, Now Change was uh, first in Broadway in 1996, and it stayed off Broadway for 12 years. Wow. Yeah. Now, why does something that's doing so well as that not move onto Broadway? Is it to do with the, its ability to sell a bigger house? I would say so. Yeah, I would definitely say so. Because um, I'd never seen it, but I know of it simply from about three different um, shows every year, three yeah. different student groups every year at the Edinburgh Fringe, walking up and down, flogging it. Because yeah. it was, it's obviously one that's got, has it got quite a big cast? Four. Remember I said Only two four. women, two men. You can have more. You can have more of, of you know, more people doing different parts of the relationship oh, and ages. Oh, yeah, maybe that's So you could what have an did. older couple, yeah, you know, it always the felt like, you know, an entire year group of GCSE or A-level theatre studies yeah. students. Yeah. Uh, the music's by Jimmy um, Roberts and, uh, you know, it's, it's multi-role. Also, the accompanying um, parts in orchestra is literally just piano, violin and bass. So it's really doable. Yeah. Uh, it's a really doable show and it's, it is a little bit dated, I'm not going to lie, and you might want to just modernise it a slight bit, but it's a fun look through the beginnings of dating all the way to the end of an older couple who just, you know, like being with each other because it's comfortable and it's yeah. warm and cosy. But we're going to play a, tr- a song, and this song is um, two women on a blind date with the most boring men ever. <laughs> Here it is. And that's why I love aerodynamic engineering. Wow, Bob. What a long story. (laughs) So, anything to start? Oh, no, Bob. No appetizer for me. I'm a very light eater. I'm lying. Plus, I didn't get to the gym today, and generally I go every single day. I'm really lying. Veronica, you are one special lady. I could talk to you all night. (laughs) Please, God, don't let him. But my real passion is golf. Do you like golf? Of course. I'm lying. Do you play? Oh, surely. Oh, boy, I'm lying. We gotta play sometime. Your course or mine. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Oh! 
is this woman talking? Hey, did you ever see the greatest golf movie ever made, Caddyshack? Loved it. I didn't see this movie. What was your favorite scene? Help me. Help me. Help me. So the difference between fuel exhaust and fuel injection is really simple. <laughs> to think he thinks he's at his best. No thought tonight has he repressed. He talks and talks and eyes my breast. There's a serious single man drought. Now some would say a catch I found. He's single straight. His mind is sound. There's four guys left like him around. There's a serious single man drought. I can't believe he's talking still. Oh God, I need a scotch refill. He chews, he spews. I could use a pill. There's a serious single man drought. Caddyshack actor. Oh, uh, well, you know, that person. <laughs> that wacky, nutty, nutty golf thingy guy. Chevy Chase? Yes. Me too! I could grow old alone just fine. I'll buy some cats like 29. They'll find me dead in my feline shrine. There's a serious single man drive. Check. Let's split it. I'm lying. I'm lying. I'm really lying. No, it's on me. You bet your sweet macho gold card it is. Cause there's a serious, delirious, severious, barbarous. Send the Marines. We're talking serious. Single man. Ladies room. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, you're listening to River Radio online at river.radio on Apple, Android and Alexa. You can listen again on our website. We're also a podcast on Apple and Spotify now and we're coming soon to DAB. And still to come on Stage Door, find out if you've correctly managed to name that show. But now to our Spotlight interview with Joe Hufton. Yeah. Well, I'm very excited to welcome to the Stage Door programme, Joe Hofton. Hello. Hello, Roddy. Nice to be here. And now, where in the world are you? Uh, so I am in Morpeth in Northumberland. Oh, beautiful. 
Um, I run a yeah, I run a theatre company up here. Fantastic. Well, we'll get on to what took you up there in a little while. But firstly, tell us how you got into the arts. Oh, so I, like many people, was taken to the theatre as a kid. I, I can actually remember the first thing I went to see, which was Peter Pan at the Sheffield Crucible. But I uh, didn't really consider a career in theatre. But then I met a brilliant woman who became my drama teacher at a, a drama class. And then initially, like a lot of people, thought that I wanted to be an actor. And then when I was at university, realised that actually that wasn't that wasn't quite what I wanted to do and, and started <laughs> directing there so so from there went to went to Lambda as a director and then on from there into the big bad world brilliant because you did still carry on doing bits of acting because did we not meet doing a corporate job for a spirits brand yes so I there was a couple of years where I was still acting as well it's quite handy when you are trying to put things together on a shoestring to be able to pick up the rubbish parts yourself um, <laughs> but but more out of necessity rather than desire I guess I remember you did a very convincing angry shout chef yeah I, to be honest with you that's mostly what i do as an actor <laughs> or what i did I, I mostly just did angry shouty people yeah which <laughs> in fairness is quite different from my normal persona but i can do quite a good angry face which i sometimes have to issue a disclaimer for in rehearsal it's so intense but there we are yeah now you've done quite a lot of quote-unquote traditional theater so you've worked in some fun places like southwark playhouse which we've covered a few times on this program and um, salisbury playhouse beautiful and um, the egg in bath now did I see on your CV you've been to New York with a gig as well? Yeah, so I directed a show that started its life uh, in a fish hut on the west coast of Scotland, actually. And then, yeah, um, and then transferred from there to Summer Hall in Edinburgh. Oh, beautiful. And then from there to Australia and from Australia to the Soho Playhouse in New York. So that was quite Incredible. a journey. Incredible. Did you get to go with it? I did get to go with it, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Which was your favourite? I mean, this will tell you a lot and, and your listeners a lot about the type of theatre that I really enjoy making which was that actually I think it, it sat best in Summerhall where it was in this old veterinary school operating theatre with seats, banks of seats. That was a really a, amazing place for it and, you know, really ticked a lot of my boxes. Oh, great. Because a lot of people talk about site-specific theatre being where a show really suits the venue it's in. And venue's been something that's loomed large in your career because you've done an awful lot of immersive theatre. Yeah, so this was kind of by accident, really. I started doing this at university right at the beginning of this kind of wave of immersive site-specific theatre. I've always been really interested in putting theatre in unusual space for two reasons. One is because it really excites me. And the second is there's a kind of, from the point of view of an ethos, like I think that theatre has a, for better or for worse, has certain expectations around it to do with, I guess, class and wealth and all sorts of things. Like there is a kind of expectation that when you go to the theatre, it's a certain type of night out. And, and that's really appealing to a lot of people. It's really appealing to me, but there's also people who won't go in a theatre for that reason because they don't think it's for them. So actually, I've always found that by putting work in unusual places and spaces you access a different type of audience and that's always been really exciting to me great and where did you start did you start this at york when you're at uni there is that where the love for this kicked off yeah so i was part of a theater group called belt up theater there was a really artistic exciting time where we all worked together and we won the edinburgh international festival award and we went all around the world to australia to the states that was a really formative time and it was there that we all started to experiment i guess with form and location and this was the very early days 
of things like punch drunk and shunt which now like it feels like site specific working is has really taken over and is its own thing and even these really big theater establishments trying versions of it reconfiguring their auditorium or ripping the seats out altogether all sorts of things but really in those days it was quite a new thing and it felt quite exciting i guess that's where i really caught the bug yeah for people who don't know what immersive theater is what's it mean to you so i define it immersive theater as having three components i don't think that all immersive theater has to have all three but if i see that i kind of think oh yeah that's in that's in my wheelhouse so the first is the audience has to have a kind of physical relationship with the space so they have to move around the space or be moved around the space or uh, occupy different spaces or kind of travel physically through the piece not just emotionally i guess the second is the actors have to uh, there's no fourth wall like the audience are kind of cast in the piece in some capacity and talk and have a relationship with the characters and the third thing is that the audience have to be able to change or affect the ending great before now and i've seen concerts advertising themselves as immersive and i thought sorry it's just playing music i've got nothing to do with the story i am just sitting watching it exactly all three of those i guess are about the audience being active in some capacity rather than passive yeah but there's people that would argue against me and it's just a word you know like you can (laughs) ultimately you can use it for anything absolutely so you've done quite a lot of work i see with secret cinema which quite a lot of our listeners are almost certain to have got dressed up and been along and enjoyed how much fun was all of that so i have been in secret cinema i have assisted on secret cinema and i've directed secret cinema so i went through quite a journey across about three years doing um shawshank redemption wow and El Prometheus, the, the Ridley Scott film, Miller's Crossing, I assisted on. And then I was one of the directors on Back to the Future. Oh, wow. Uh, everyone knows I love Back to the Future and I'm very excited <laughs> about going to see it on stage. <laughs> and from there, I know that you started working on a little show called Alice's Adventures Underground because it's where we then re-met. I was approached by Ollie and James, who run Les Enfants to come and work on Iris' Mention on the Ground and try to answer three of those questions, I guess. Like, how does the audience move through it? What's their role and, and, and how do they affect the ending? So I did a lot of that work in the early days as an associate and then redid a lot of that work as we reimagined it with you, Roddy, uh, two years later and then directed the show yeah. in China and then later roped you in to do the Chinese version as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> now, you were out in Shanghai for quite a long time on your own. Now, it's a culture shock anyway, How did you find that? I quite like being away from home. I quite like the challenge of it. Not having anybody there who spoke English. You had to Mm. engage with the culture in a different way. Like (laughs) I was eating every night with my Chinese colleagues and going to where they wanted to go. Sometimes consensually, sometimes (laughs) unknowingly finding myself in a nightclub and going, oh, I didn't realise we were going clubbing tonight, but okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And that was really fantastic. It was also very hard. It's hard to work in any, any language that, you know, you don't know. And the Chinese team, were extraordinarily gracious and extraordinarily hardworking and, and enthusiastic but there was an experience gap there was a team of people who'd been working in, in this kind of work for nearly 10 years and we were working with a Chinese team who had been working in it for maybe 10 months and bridging that gap was hard at points there were a few lonely nights on the phone to the UK but it was brilliant uh, I spent about six months there across the course of a year and changed how I think about theatre and how I think about cultural exchange and all sorts of things yeah great we also had an exhilarating holiday where i'd only been there two days and i felt incredibly guilty but you were like with me we're going to, we're going away i need a break i had spent by the time you arrived i spent about five months in shanghai and i hadn't left the city once because there was just no time to yeah yes yeah, so we went on a holiday in probably the hottest two days of my life incredible um, obviously because i was sharing a room with you but also because um <laughs> 
also because it was about it was about 42 43 degrees wasn't it talk to me about this job you did for the national trust yeah i was asked to do some consultancy work for the national trust about how we tell stories and how there might be some crossover uh, learning i guess between uh, the immersive theater world and the heritage sector and spoke at them like a kind of excited puppy about tearing up their red ropes and letting people climb all over their buildings <laughs> so at the annual conference i was approached by blickling hall which is a, a big country house in norfolk um, owned by the national trust and they had a pot of money and they asked me to, to put my money where my mouth is which is uh, always a dangerous thing when you're talking to a theater director um, <laughs> either mean that you end up with an enormous bill and and pyrotechnics being left in your house or, you know, a lingering sense of disappointment. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, it was a really positive experience. And we, we transformed the hall and put six or seven installations in that had light and sound and you could touch and move through and, and really encourage you to explore this space in a different way. Rather brilliantly, this piece that sat in this National Trust house for six months caused the most scandal that my work has ever caused. <laughs> People got like really angry because I had dared to challenge them on their, you know, their Saturday afternoon trip to the National Trust, put a big pile of books somewhere. It was just, it was fascinating to watch that that fallout, really. Yeah. Now tell us what's taken you up to beautiful Morpeth because you're an artistic director and a chief executive now. I mean, what? <laughs> so my family are, are living in the north of England, um, in Whitley Bay, in Tyne and Weir. You know, so much of the immersive world is, is centred on London and that's brilliant in many ways if you're a part of it. Yeah. But also, like, you know, the question is, what is the offer to the rest of the country there? So I made this immersive show in a coal mine, which was very fun. And I was approached by an organisation called November Club, which at that time was run by a brilliant woman called Chinzia Hardy. And it makes site-specific work. It felt like a really natural fit and it felt like a challenge. This was about the same time that I had lost all my work, like every other artist in the country around coronavirus. Yeah. And I was really excited about what it could be. And it's been going really well. Oh, great. What have you done so far? Because I know you've been doing a lot of walking. So, yes, we've done two projects, one of which anybody can watch. is available now, free, on demand. So we made a, a digital play called Repeat Signal with a brilliant writer called Tati Hennessy, who has won lots of awards and whose work's been on the West End. I managed to persuade her to come up to the wilds of Northumberland. We made a brilliant piece in, in the colliery called Repeat Signal. It's the story of two young people, one of whom is a native Northumberland, Ashington resident called Lucas, and one is a is a refugee to the county called Beebe. And it's, it's a 30-minute play. It's available to watch on our website for free. And the second piece of work we, we made was a bit bonkers, really, Ronnie. Um, we were looking at the year and thinking like, how the hell do we produce a project that's resilient to COVID? It seems silly now, but nobody knew in May if really we were going to open up in June. So we decided to do a walking project. So we walked, November Club walked, 125 miles from Hexham in the south of the county to Berwick in the north of the county along the coast and we walked it anybody could come and join us they could come and join us for different stages and walk with us and we talked and we shared hospitality along the way great you could walk you know, like Hadrian's Wall or you could walk the causeway at Holy Island one person joined us for a mile and at each stopping point we also offered a piece of theatre called Doorstep Theatre and this show was available free to your door. It was up to you to tell us how you wanted to watch this piece of theatre in a way that was safe and convenient for you. So 
some people watched it from inside their house <laughs> and we performed outside the house and they opened up the windows and watched Great. we played to a garden party to a village hall to a big open air event in Amble that somebody had organised a bonkers summer but kind of brilliant as well and, and we met so many people and, and, and made so many relationships and you really engage with people in a different way when you walk with them yeah yeah that sounds gorgeous. And having been to Northumberland and spent quite a bit of time in the northeast, I'm very jealous of that walk because there are a number of stunning places along that coastline. Last time I was there, I saw dolphins. Yeah, yeah, we saw some dolphins. I must come up and visit. Joe Houghton, former actor, current director and artistic director and chief exec of the November Club. Thank you for joining us on Stage Door. You're welcome. If anyone were in any doubt from the first two. I know. I, I, I just can't believe somebody wouldn't know that. What are the lyrics there? Can we just, let's just decipher them. Let every creature go for broke and sing. Is it go for broke? I always thought it was go abroad and sing. I've never looked no, it up. No, go for broke. We've heard it in the herd and on the wing, I think. Yeah. Uh, go on, Joe. Put anyone who is clutching at their cerebellum out of their misery. What is it? The show that this song comes from is The Lion King. Yeah. And the song, of course, is I Just Can't Wait to Be King. Absolutely. Yeah. Simba, Nala, Zazu, the whole, the whole so, shooting match. Well done if you got that one, guys. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, we'll play you out uh, with I Just Can't Wait to Be King. Uh, if you go and watch the Bond film, if you go and watch any theatre this week, if you enjoy anything and want us to know, or there's anything you think we should give a wide berth to, <laughs> please do email joe or roddy at river.radio. We would love to hear from you. You know, this is your show as well, so yeah. come on in. <laughs> and you can join us next Thursday at 11 here on River Radio for more... At the stage door! Have a good weekend! Wildly out of wind